welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. For those of you that don't know, if you're new here, my name is C.J. Reynolds and I run this YouTube channel called Real Rap with Reynolds, which is aimed at helping people... Um, do what the title of my book says, to teach your class off. And so the idea here is on Sunday nights, it is the most nerve-wracking night of the week for a lot of teachers. And so what we're trying to do is create space for people to be able to learn, to be able to, to grow as teachers, to be able to find some confidence and some inspiration and some answers before going into school on Monday morning. So it is not just me. It is a whole bunch of you that are on the sides here. However, you're sort of consuming this in the comment section. There are a bunch of people that are answering questions with me. I do not pretend to know everything there is to know about education. Um, I just know enough that I can help some folks. And so I feel like this is something I am, you know, a platform that I'm given to do this on. So I show up and I answer questions. So um, if I don't know an answer or if I do know an answer, just keep a look in the, in the comment section and people will speak back to you and share you, this stuff with you. If this isn't enough, please know that you can go over to our Facebook group, Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk there. Um, it's a it's a closed group, so you have to answer like three basic questions to get in. We're just trying to make sure that there aren't like businesses or there's not any kind of like nonsense. It's a really, really wonderful place for people to go and, and get answers as well. Um, you can also have me come speak at your school. As a matter of fact, I'm on the way to a speaking engagement now, which is why I'm sitting at in this restaurant with this ridiculous sunshine over my lips, which looks insane. Um, and or keep an eye out for my book. My book drops uh, probably end of next month, beginning of April. It's called Teacher Class Off: The Real Rap Guide to Teaching. And so that's all that stuff. So real quick uh, caption for kind of what's been going on. Um, First of all, I'm on my way to the Pete and C conference to go. I'm going to speak there tomorrow morning, and I, which is in Pittsburgh. And I think I'm going to try and sneak in a visit to the Mr. Rogers Museum. Like they have this exhibit there, and he's like one of my heroes of, of my life. So I'm going to try and do that while I'm there. But two weeks ago, my brother, who I haven't seen in over a year, came out from California, and we had a family dinner for him. And so it was on Sunday night, so we didn't have teacher talk. Um, last week I was in Brooklyn with my students. We went up to visit my friend, Mac Primo and my other buddy, Ouija Theodore, who runs the Brooklyn circus. And we went up and hung out there last Sunday. So I wasn't able to do this. And then this Sunday, I wasn't sure if it was going to happen. Um, we had a really someone, uh, I won't, I won't put everything out there right now, but, um, if my wife wants to speak to this in the comment section, she's on here. Um, we had a death in the family, somebody very close to my wife. And, uh, that was like the third one in the last 14 months. So like my grandmother passed away, uh, the Christmas before last on Christmas Eve, my father-in-law passed away the last day of June over the summer. And then we had this other very untimely death that came up. And so, um, that's, uh, for all the people that have like been just sending like well wishes and stuff, I really appreciate that stuff. And I know my wife and her family really need that right now as well. So, um, that doesn't go lost, even though I don't comment back to all the comments. It's just been a really, really difficult week. And I, I think, I mean, I end up making a video every time something difficult happens, but I think I'm going to make another one. Cause I just think that it can't be stated enough. Like when you're not at your best, like how do you show up for work to care for other people when you feel like your tank is empty? And I just think that there are ways to do that and there are ways to not do that. And so, um, just wanted to, to, to share that. So, um, I'm going to do my best. I don't have the uh, the wife for life here with me this evening. 
Um, she is at home and I'm on my way to Pittsburgh, like I said, but right now I'm at the Blue Mountain rest stop, uh, which was the first rest stop I could find to stop by and do this. So um, if I miss your question, I really uh, like apologize, but I'm going to try not to. But usually my wife like hands me the question. So I'm scrolling through, scrolling through, scrolling through. If you could put the word question or the letter Q before the question, that would really make it like really, it would really be helpful. Um, Dave is asking... Who's the most most influential artist our kids need to learn about and Backstreet Boys or NSYNC? Um, so Dave, first of all, I, I grew up like after Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. If I was going to go straight boy band, I'd go New Kids on the Block because I saw them one time open for Tiffany. And that was that was a lot. I just this is all about being vulnerable, everyone. And I just shared that information. Um, influential artist. I think there are two. Um, there's a guy, Mac Primo, that doesn't get enough press, but he doesn't put enough stuff out really on social either, but he's really worth checking out. He's like a very odd dude. I would say there's an artist I really love named Phil Hansen. Uh, Phil Hansen's H-A-N-S-E-N, I think. Um, his YouTube channel is called Phil in the Circle, and he doesn't put out content so much anymore, but man, that guy is awesome, and it's someone that I share with my students every single year, so that's somebody definitely worth checking out. Um... Uh, question Jacqueline is asking I'm a 7th and 8th grade history teacher I have students in my class who consist uh, uh, Jacqueline I think I think you emailed me someone emailed me and it was the same a similar question um, students in class who have consistently disruptive he does not oh maybe this is different so the question is I'm a 7th grade 7th 8th grade history teacher i have a student in my class who is consistently disruptive he does not believe the content applies to him and he rushes to me to move forward on content and rushes i think there's a second part to that question maybe maybe not maybe um in a disrespectful manner i've spoken to other teachers administration guidance parents i have been given advice to create an independent study for him what are your thoughts so Jacqueline you could create an independent study for that student um I think the other thing is sorry this is shaky I'm like it's I'm doing my best here so I how, what do I want to say to that I think you could do an independent study but I think that sometimes it's real interesting to me when students are sort of left of center who are they really so like what is driving them? What's making them want to learn faster? Are they bored? Are they not getting enough attention elsewhere? So they are looking to you for attention, to the teachers for attention, to their peers for attention. Do they want to seem like they're a lot smarter than they actually are, which is something you see in classrooms all the time where kids like aren't um, the greatest student ever, but they front like they are the greatest student ever. And so that is something to be mindful for also. I think all students have some there's a motivation behind all of their actions, whether they know it or not. And so when we find out what that motivation is, what it does is it provides us with answers as to why they're doing what they're doing, right? Which doesn't give them an excuse to do it, but it gives us a reason. It gives them a, re it gives a reason behind what they're doing. So I would maybe sit down with that student and say, if, whether it's over lunch, whether it's after school or whatever, and say, what, are you, what would you like to see? in class. So like if class was exactly the way you want it, because these are the behaviors, right? So this is, this is what I exactly would say. These are the behaviors that I'm seeing, right? Like, is it fair to, to say that like, this is what I'm seeing in class and, and then have a conversation about that, about what's actually taking place. So 
One, I want you to note that I really want you to do well. They really care about you. And I want you to have the greatest year that you could possibly have. And I want you to learn the most amount of stuff that you can and enjoy doing it. But with these behaviors, it's kind of creating some pushback um, that's making this like not a healthy relationship. So what would you like to see this class look like? And then really push them on that and see if they can create uh, an outline for what the class could really be like. And so I think this is good for all kinds of students, for students, for the woman that emailed me. Um, I forget your name off the top of my head. But when you're dealing with classes where students do not want to pay attention, where they're refusing to be a part of the, the conversation with, or, or being a part of class or just being constantly disruptive, sometimes it's worth stopping and saying, well, what if this looked like something you would want to be in a part of, what would it look like? I don't think we do that with students enough. And the problem with that is we are not making students a part of the conversation. We are assuming that we know the students, that we know what's right for them, and that we know what class should look like, when a lot of times we don't. So I think having that conversation will get you further than you realize, and then it will build a connection. And then reminding students that, like, look, like not in a way that says, uh, I want you to remember how awesome I was that time that I asked you, like, what you want a class to look like, but rather, can we be mindful of the fact that I'm trying here? So if you don't like something, come see me after school. You don't get to shout it out in the middle of class. You don't get to be rude to other people, but come see me after class and we can continue to have this conversation. That would be useful. Um, let's see. I'm, I'm no doubt going to miss questions because I'm all over the place. Uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, Question Deanna is asking, how do you know if you're expecting too much from your students? Um, that's a great question. So I think about, I, I think, hmm, are we at, how do you know if you're asking too much from your students? Part of that is, I want to say it's intuition, but that's, that's a slightly easy answer and it's not really quantifiable. How... I would say, gosh, Deanna's, Deanna's stopping me for a moment. It's so hard when sometimes you have to like rapid fire answers because um, sometimes you want to sit with something. So I think it depends on the class. Like I, I know my students think I ask too much of them, but I don't. Um, I make room for error. I create space for grace in my classroom. Um, so if someone is really struggling and they need makeup work or they need extra credit. It's like, well, like, were you just chilling the whole time all year? And now you're like going to cry because like your mom's going to get upset with you. Or are we creating space for you to learn from your mistakes? Um, am I pushing too hard? Like, I'd say no. Like, so I had a friend once, I still have a friend, my friend, Randy Rebuy, whose books you should definitely check out, especially if you're a middle school or high school teacher um books like after the shot dropped and uh infinite uh infinite number of parallel universes and patron states of nothing so anyway randy is the child of an immigrant family um and actually most of my friends who are parents of immigrants would say that we don't push our students enough they like my friend cho that i work with says like, my mom pushed me every day. Like there were no days off. Like I really had to go hard in every single thing that I did when I come from a family where that wasn't the case. So I think sometimes we are deciding whether or not we are pushing kids hard enough 
by what happened to us when we were younger. And so I think tap into that sometimes. And I think maybe bounce it off the teachers that you work with because they are going to give you a better answer than than I could because they know your students, they know you, they know what you're asking of them and be really honest with them and try and work as a team or, and if you don't have a whole team to work with, because sometimes people are just like, like not your jam or they're hard to work with or whatever, it is worth taking time to sit with the people that you do trust um, and see if you can work out a plan for like, what's gonna work best for for students. Uh, greetings from South Korea. Random cheese. That is fantastic. I, I love the internet, man. I know people have a lot of different deals with with social media, but man, like if I'm speaking to someone and you're in South Korea right now, that's fantastic. Uh, my school is closed as of today due to coronavirus scare. No graduation for my kiddies, kindergartners on Wednesday. No goodbyes. So, so sad. Um, so here's, here's what you do, I think. Um, uh, with that, like, I know you didn't ask a question. There's all these people pulling up around me, which is really, really funny now. Um, and they're staring at the guy that is holding his phone up to himself in the car. Um, I would, what if you made a, a YouTube video that was just for your students? Like, you can make it public, but, like, who's going to search something? And it, Like, the, the algorithm's not going to reward an upload like that, but you could email it to all of your students and let them know or write cards to all your students and let them know. So... That could be like a cool thing to do. I, that's what I would try and do. Uh, Mariah, so excited for my book. Thank you very much. Um, so am I. Um, I'm, re I'm really, really excited for people to see it. Uh, question. Tay is asking. I think I'm saying your name right. Tay, T-A-Y. I work in a setting for SPED program. I have a new student tomorrow and we already had a rough week. How do I keep an the already rough energy that occurred tomorrow from interfering with him. <laughs> I would say, I, Tay, I, I really think that when I put time into myself, things are easier to deal with. So I noticed last week, so after we had, I was saying earlier that, um, we had a death in the family and it really rocked me even more than I thought it would. And, and so going, so I took off Monday and Tuesday and, uh, or Monday was president's day. So I took off Tuesday and Wednesday, went to school and, uh, I told my students that I didn't tell them what happened per se, but I said, look, this was the person, this was the thing that, that, that like they passed away. And I'm really kind of like having a really hard week. Um, but I found that like most of my students were really great with that. Like they were really receptive. They had, they had, you know, they, they could, they were really empathetic to, to what I was going through. And that was wonderful. Some kids go the other way. Some kids don't know how to do with that deal with that vulnerability. Some kids it's too raw and real and it taps into something that they went through or whatever. It's hard for them when dealing with that. I just had zero ability to deal with nonsense last week. It was really, really hard. And so but I notice that when I'm getting up early, when I'm exercising, when I'm eating right, when I am putting time in in the morning to pray and meditate and read stuff, like and when I'm filling myself up with goodness, right, that I go to school and it doesn't matter. It like literally the worst stuff can happen and I am so more apt to deal with it than I would be normally. So I would say it's not the right thing you're going to go 
in and do. It's not the, the right program. It's not um, what are you going to do when that student does like acts out or when the other students have a hard time. It is you putting into you. And I think that the ways that we do that are, I think that what we eat has a lot to do with it. I think the amount of exercise that we got, I think that getting up before your day needs to start and really putting time and energy into um, into yourself. And, and a book that takes it a little bit too long, but it's really good is called uh, Miracle Morning is a good book to read. And has it's not like, so look, um, I am a religious dude, but I don't push like, I, that's not where I go with my channel. Um, but this book is not about like, even though it has the word miracle and it, it's not like about like Jesus or something like that. Um, but it is about getting ahead of your day, getting ahead of your schedule and sharing with um, like sp spending time uh, by yourself to get a vision of what you want your day to look like. And I think that that has <clears throat> a much bigger effect on our classrooms than we probably really understand. That when you are laughing and having fun and you're feeling great, it's hard for other things to kind of like put you down or, or bring you down. Um, questions, questions, questions. I got to like scroll. It, it shoots all the way down to the bottom and I have to scroll scroll all the way up. I see someone shouting about um, new kids on the block. Uh, oh my goodness. Um, all right. So I think I got it. Uh, Sam saying actually able to watch for the first time instead of Monday morning. That is awesome, man. Um, I appreciate all these kind words. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to like skip by them on uh for any particular reason i'm just trying to stick with questions so people get the maximum amount of help that they can um how much do you follow the curriculum uh so d is asking that i create my own curriculum i don't have a curriculum that is set forth for me necessarily um and i let it change look i i'm all about uh i'm all about watching what students need so my lessons every year are different every single year. Like I don't do exactly the same thing every single day um, or every single year. It's it's like, where do my students need to go? Where do I need to help them? Where do I need to curve this? So I don't ever stick like 100% to anything that I'm doing in class. Um, and I have kind of the freedom to do that, uh, which is wonderful. But even if I did not, I think I'd still... Kind of, I think a lot of the stuff that I do, I would still do even if I didn't ha like have the ability to, to do it. Um, oh my goodness. Wife for life. I am missing you right now. Uh, because I am, I am having a hard time finding like getting questions. Um, Casey is asking, I've rejected some PD opportunities because I want them to be meaningful. How do I maximize the effective, the effect of time away, prepare students for a sub and not fall into the trap of never getting a sub? So, rejected some PD. So look, I think Casey, um, PDs are tricky, right? Like I really love conferences and I love professional development, but I think all of it is not worth your time and effort. Like I've, there, I've just had too many PDs from like people that taught for a year or never taught, or they went to college for teaching, but they never taught. That's like learning to be a parent from someone who's not a parent. Like it's just lacks a sense of, of reality. Um, I think if it's worth it, I think then go do it. Like your students are going to benefit. Like I'm going to this conference and I, and I, I'm going to speak, but I'm also going to listen and to meet people. It's one of my favorite things about conferences is networking and finding 
other crazies like myself out there in the world that I can then take their ideas and bring them back to my classroom, right? Because this is about sharing. And so um, I, I think, but I think just like anything, look, let's look at it this way. Your students come to your class and they cannot, like you can be the ringleader of the circus that's in your class, but you're not in charge of how well someone like, like how well, like the, the audience it, like gets excited about it and, and you can't control all the different facets of it. You're just sort of like the overseer, the facilitator, but it really takes the students getting really excited about it. So you can drum up some of that excitement, but I tell my students all the time, like, look, I can bring fireworks, but I can't make you have fun. Like, like that, that's some of it. So it's, are you going to go to a PD and get involved, participate, meet new people, like write things down, dare to have your mind changed about stuff. Like that's part of it too. So that's, you know, um, so just, I'd say just try stuff. Uh, I, I love, you know, I, I think some of the good ones coming up, um, pirate con this is the first year Dave Burgess and his wife, Shelly are doing pirate con. It's in San Diego this summer in June. And I'm really looking forward to that. I'll be speaking there. And then, um, the teach better conference. So these are both conferences I'm speaking at, but, uh, teach better is in October. Uh, it's, I think it's October 2nd and 3rd and they just announced it. And that is going to be what that was the best conference I went to last year, like hands down the greatest. It was great. People it was so fun. I loved it. Um, so those are two to kind of look out for. Um, art, uh, warm greeting. Hi, sweetie. Warm greetings from Norway. Thank you very much. I love that's so fantastic. I'd love to go to Norway. Um, looking for questions. Um, someone say hi, dad. Oh, that's my daughter. Marley's on here. Um, Marley, my daughter is on here. Marla Bulberfish. She has a great YouTube channel. Uh, Kimberly is asking, I have had a hard time signing my contract for next year. My first year has been really, really tough, and I can't imagine putting myself through that again. Does it literally, does it really get better? Kimberly, I would say this. That's a really wonderful question, and it's a really honest question to ask. School, uh, does it always get better? Nope, I don't think it always does. I think that, look, there are times when you're teaching and places that you're teaching that you just have to know that maybe this isn't the school for you. And I don't think we say that to teachers enough. I think teaching can often, someone sent me an email recently and I, it, it, it was so the comment, or maybe it was on the Facebook group. I think it was on the Facebook group. Um, they said, teaching is often like a bad relationship in which we just stay in for the kids. And I thought, damn it, that is so good, man. Like, like, look, it's, I have a hard time at school sometimes. It's a very, very difficult place to be. Like we've lost five students in the last five years. It is a very difficult place to teach sometimes. There's a lot of pushback. There's a lot of, uh, oh, I'm freezing. Um, there's a lot of pushback sometimes from students and from um, other teachers. There's high teacher turnover sometimes. And I just think that like teachers is, what if this is as good as it gets? So what if this is as good as it gets, right? Think about that for a second. What if your school didn't get any better? What if the students were like this every single year? What if the opportunities, if the pushback from administration, from your lack of ability to do the things that you want, even though you think it's the best thing for the students, is the best it's ever going to get? Can you live with that? Because I think either we get really courageous and we do what we want and we, because we know that that's right for the students, 
or we got to switch schools and go somewhere else because maybe just because your school's there doesn't mean it deserves to be there. Just because your school, like maybe your school deserves to fail. Maybe it sucks for a reason. And that definitely sucks for the students, but I don't know that the students are the reason to stay in a position all the time. And this is important too. Not everyone's built for every single situation. I don't know that I'd be successful. I I don't, I I mean, this is a hard thing to say because I've never really had the opportunity to teach in every school, but I really wonder if I'd be successful in every school. I've had some success in my first school. I've had a lot of success in my second school, but I don't know that that would be the truth every single place. Like, I don't know that every single school's for me. Um, So it's like finding the right fit for you. It's like, if is every relationship the relationship for you? Has every job you've ever had, like the one for you? Like, um, I've had jobs I've rocked and then other jobs that like working at Taco Bell was not for me. I lasted one month and it was terrible and I wanted to cry every day in my sour cream, but it did make me like Taco Bell a whole lot more. So I think that that's worth asking. There's look, just because the school's not a good fit for you, just because you had a hard year doesn't mean that you're a bad person or a bad teacher, but maybe you are, maybe there's a lot to grow on. Maybe there's a lot more to do to put into yourself, to grow as a human being and as a teacher and as a person who's caring for children. Like it's, you know, but Maybe it's the school. So I think that that's worth really, really looking at and, and thinking about. Um, let me see. Wife, I need you. I need you to help me. I'm going to, I really am sorry, but I'm going to just see, like, if I see a question, I'm going to answer it. Maybe I'll get, like, back to all of them, but it takes so long to scroll on this. Evangeline is asking, um, hi, all. I have two disruptive students who have been making it hard to teach. I tried building relationships with both those students, and but it seems... Like things have become antagonistic. Any thoughts? So, uh, Evangeline, I would, I think I'm saying it right. Yeah, Evangeline. I would say, um, don't give those students any more attention then. Like, look, sometimes we give kids too much attention. Sometimes it's like, we've talked about this before, uh, or I've talked about this before. And there's a really, if you go in and watch, um, I have an old interview with my hero in teaching Rafe Esquith. So if you guys go into my YouTube channel and up at the top, I used to do the Sunday night teacher talks with a guest. And I had this guy, Rafe Esquith, on who's awesome. Um, you should read all of his books. He said there's three types of students. Type one is the student that everybody wants to teach. They're wonderful and they show up to class and you want to give them all your time and energy. Two is, this, is number three student is the student that is the worst. They are a hot dumpster fire every single day and they take up all the time and energy in class. They are a black hole of attention um, for whatever reason, right? What we do is we tend to look at those two types of students and give them all of our attention, right? The kid that really wants to be there. They're such a joy to teach. We love them. They are the greatest kids in the world. Or the kids are the dumpster fires because we, not just because we want them to do well, because we see them as a reflection of our inability to do well, right? Let me say that again. We see those students that are a disaster as a reflection of our inability to do our job. So we pour our time and energy into them and it's not always about them. We, it's really about us. It's really about us not doing so well. And it's like when I send my kids out into the world, my own children, the ones I made, the, the <laughs> my wife loves that I say that. Um, when they are bad in public, I'm not so mad that they were bad in public. I'm mad that I don't look like a good parent. And so sometimes our, we feel like our students make us look like we don't have our stuff together. And that is not the case. But who's getting overlooked? Child one, child three. What about child two? Those are the kids that fly under the radar. So I would say that kid who's always a disruption, 
you give them three chances, you have them write a reflection or you send them to the office or you call a parent or whatever, but I do not give them any more attention than all the other students in my class because that kid who's sitting quietly alone and feels like they are invisible has probably been invisible for most of their life. Tomorrow, your job is to go in and teach that child and teach them no more and no less than the other types of children, but at least as much as your time and energy as you're giving the other kids. Um, oh my goodness. You guys are so awesome. And I love all these questions and I really like, wish I could just sit on here and answer every single question. Um, but I'm really, let's see, let me make sure I didn't miss anything. I don't think I did. Uh, a, <clears throat> excuse me, Marina. Now the sun's going down. Um, a sixth grade. Oh no. A uh, sixth grade boy on my campus performed an inappropriate sexual act in my coworker's classroom last week. Admin didn't do anything except for talk to the student um, because they feared shaming him. My coworkers feel uncomfortable even when even walking into her classroom. How can I show support without disrespecting my administration? Look, who cares if you disrespect your administration? Um, and this is what I mean. Like that sounded really cold and heartless. What I mean is, um, teachers, look. No one's going to care for us unless we care for ourselves. It's like waiting for some sort of like savior to show up and, and help you in your classroom. It's not going to happen. We need to support one another, which is why we're even on here, right? So I really would love if someone, if uh, Marina, like if somebody could speak to that, maybe you've dealt with that. Maybe you've, you've handled this. You've been in a situation like that and you could speak to her. Um, and help her. And this is even a really great question for the Facebook group. If you go to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk, what that'll do is it's a private group. It's just educators in there. And so sensitive topics like this can sort of like be handled and dialogued about and you'll get like a lot of love and care from people that are dealing with things. I think we always need to touch base with people. Here's, here's the thing with stuff, right? Let me tell you this really quick story. When I was just turned 22, my mother died of lung cancer. Um, when she died... There was an outpouring of love and care from people and it was really wonderful. There was tons of food. There were people coming over to visit all the time, people showing their love and care in very obvious ways. About a week or two after that, um, it died It died out, right? Like people want to get back to their regular lives. They think that it's all taken care of. They thought that I was better. Um, and it, I wasn't. It was like just the beginning. It was like that was the band-aid on the broken leg. And so then I have to walk around with this broken leg for years and years and years. And my friends don't want to talk about it anymore. People are tired of dealing with me. They don't understand why I'm so sad and depressed and and, and trying to and struggling to, to, to get by in life. And it was because I was I broke my heart. My mom was a huge part of my life. Like she made me into the human being that I am now. And that crushed me. This is what I'm saying here is that when teachers go through something traumatic, it's no different. Whether it was a student did something in your classroom or someone got hurt violently, like like assaulted by a student or admin gave them a poor review. We need to be the ones that go into one another's classrooms and care for one another, sit with one another. And you don't have to have the answers. Remember this. Your attention is more important than your advice. And that means everything. So... When we had the death this week in the family, um, it was really wonderful. Like I got this surprise dinner from my friend, Sarah. I work with this woman, Sarah, who is like basically the 
nicest person I've ever met in my life. And I really like everyone that knows her just knows like Sarah is just like she's like a like an angel walking the earth. She sent our family a ton of food. Um, she keeps texting me to see what I need. But here's the wonderful thing about Sarah is that she won't just stop now. She won't in a week move on to something else and keep going. She will keep asking week after week, month after month, year after year to see how Jenai is, to see how the kids are, to see how I'm doing, to check in with me, to see if there's anything that I need. And I think that we as teachers need to do that for one another. And we can't, we put too much onus on admin sometimes, right? Admin should be like every principal should be like Hamish Brewer, right? Or as we like to say, Hamish Brewer, because he's from New Zealand. Um, that guy's amazing, right? And there are principals like that. There are the Adam Welcomes and the Todd Nessalonis of the world. But I think that we should take care of things ourselves as much as possible because we, because we have control over that. Don't wait for, you know, a superhero to show up, like go out there and do the superhero work yourself. Um, I'm only going to do a few more cause I'm sitting at this rest stop and I need to get, uh, to Pittsburgh tonight. Um, looking for questions. My mother-in-law has been in town. So I keep talking like this cause she's from New Mexico and I don't know why. Um, Let's see. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate that, Matthew Dean, that nice comment. Um, Kevin Lynn is asking, hey, Reynolds, I have a non-teacher question, but more of a school question. How does your school improve the enrollment from a teacher perspective, admin perspective, parent perspective? Improve enrollment? Look, I, Kevin, I, I don't, we live off of our reputation from what I can understand, right? Um, so it's like a lot of cousins, a lot of brothers, a lot of family members. So we're all, all boys school in Philadelphia. We, I think if I, my, if we wanted to improve enrollment, so we have like more people than can actually get into the school. And, um, we are a lottery. So we're a charter school, which means like kids just put their name in and then they get picked out of the lottery. If your name gets picked, then you get to go to the school. Um, I, if I wanted to improve enrollment, I think that my school should really have an Instagram, like they need to be on social media on at least Instagram and Twitter, if not TikTok and Facebook and everywhere else. I think they also should create a YouTube channel. I just think that there's so much great stuff going on in schools that we could document. And when, when social media is only used for cute stuff and for like shouting out, like, like, I don't know, intermittent, like we won the basketball you know, practice, like basketball, we won basketball practice. That's about, it's about as good as I got sports, everybody. But you know, when we're only using it for like these every once in a while, great things and not just spotlighting students and teachers and documenting life. Um, I just think we're missing out. I think that, you know, like take the Gary V model of like Gary V going on every single day or every single week now and, and documenting what's going on and how he's building his company. I think schools should absolutely be doing that. Because for a million reasons, right? Because people don't, to give people a glimpse of what it looks like to be a teacher, to give a glimpse of what it looks like to go to your school, to give parents a look into your school and see what that's actually going to look like when kids go to your school, to shout out the amazing, awesome things that you're doing in your classroom and to improve and inspire other people's classrooms. Um, so that's that's what I would do if, if that was the deal. Uh, let me get like a couple more in here, even though my wife is probably going, you need to go. That's what my wife sounds like in my head all the time. Um, I have stage fright teaching. I always wanted to be a 
I always wanted to teach high school. I've placed in sixth grade, plus the lesson planning is hard for me. Organization, motivation. Is it the end of that question or was there another part of it? There's a very cute dog next to me right now. Look at that dog over there. Um, stage fright. Look, uh, let me put it like this. The first time you did anything, it was really, really nerve wracking. The first time you kissed someone was a nightmare and it probably didn't do a very good job. But practice makes perfect and the better you, more you do it, the better you get at it. I think when you know, the reason that teaching makes us insane at the beginning of the school year is because we don't know the students. Once you know the students, you know the names, you know the behaviors, you know who they are and where they come from, um, we get better at what we're doing because we know who we're teaching to. So I, I would imagine um, that that's where some of that comes from. And so remember that you are awesome though. Remember that if you're trying your hardest and doing your best and like that you to, to connect with students, to make it engaging, to getting to know who they are, like, like school in the beginning of the year is difficult because I don't know who all of my students are. I don't know how they get down. I don't know what they're interested in. So I can't teach to those students. I'm going off of assumptions and that doesn't get anyone anywhere. So I think Remembering those things will, will really make you better in the classroom. Um, da Vinci, Da Vinci C is asking, when it, when is it really time to move on? I've been teaching at my institution for 20 years and I have great days and I have horrible days, but I'm feeling like I've done my time. Um, then look, like what else could you do also? Like um, there's nothing really worse than a teacher that doesn't feel like they should be there anymore. And I'm not saying that to like, I don't want to speak negatively to that. Right. But sometimes like, sometimes I wonder like, will I be in the classroom forever? Or is there a greater calling? And I'm, I'm wrestling with some of that stuff. Now I'm wrestling with like, is there a, a larger calling? Like I see a lot of teachers loving students. I don't see a lot of people loving teachers. And so I think that that might be something I'm called into next. And Look, if you do your time and you feel good about the, the work that you did, like where, where can you take your skills? Maybe you teach a college class. Maybe you start your own YouTube channel. Maybe you create some sort of like professional development or consulting um, position for yourself in which you're helping teachers do the things that they can. But I think that's an, that's an intuition thing. And that's something that like I would talk to friends and family and that I would pray about to, to see if that is the move for me next. But um, I think that is the same that, so that's what you should be thinking about. All right, uh, last question, just because I'm not going to be able to get to all of them and I, I have to get going on the road here. Hey, Reynolds, I've been experiencing teacher burnout and want to move into a new line of work. What industry would you recommend for English major? Thanks for all the awesome advice. Um, so Jamaican Bob, uh, first of all, that's a fantastic name. Um, I got into teaching because I, did, I graduated with an English degree and I didn't want to edit stuff. So I think... I'm not sure what the answer is for that, but here's what I would suggest. If anyone has an answer for Mr. Jamaican Bob with what he should do if he doesn't want to be a teacher anymore, but he has an English degree, that'd be awesome. I would also put it in the teacher group on Facebook, Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk. That's a really great place to put in your questions and see what people are going to say um, because I actually faced that myself and teaching's where it got me because I didn't like anything else. I liked in majoring in English because I got a lot of books and it sounded smart and I got to just basically read and talk about stuff all day. Um, so look, um, I'm really sorry that I didn't get to everyone's questions. I really have to go because I'm on my way to the Pete and C conference in Pittsburgh. Folks, this week, remember that the more you put into yourself, the more you can give to your students. The better that you feel in your mind, in your body, in your soul, 
the better that you were going to be in the classroom. And that sounds so cliche, right? But here's the funny thing about cliche stuff, man. It's freaking right. Like most of that shit is correct. And like we do things that are cliche because they, well, damn it, they work. So I hope that you have the greatest week ever. Thanks so much for all of your blessings. I promise that I'll be back next week. And I'm hoping that things kind of like, you know, even though my family is dealing with like this loss and with all this hurt and this stuff that's going on right now, it's really, really difficult. Um, that I wanted to just still make sure that I pulled aside for you at the Blue Mountain rest stop here in beautiful middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania. Um, that's it, gang. I hope you have a really great week and thanks for being a part of this community. Peace. And that's it for this week, gang. Look, if you ever want to have your question answered on Sunday Night Teacher Talk, all you have to do is show up at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on my YouTube channel, Real Rap with Reynolds, and I'd be happy to answer any question that you put out there. Nothing is off the table. Thanks so much for your support. We really, really appreciate it. And I hope you have a great week. Peace.